Welcome to David and David on Real Estate. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of the real estate market. Good morning and welcome to the David and David on Real Estate podcast. We are on episode number 42. And today we have a great uh, guest with us from all the way down south from the Caribbean joining us through Zoom. We have uh, Jess Lunaval from the Listing Lab. Jess, uh, great to have you. I'm really excited to be here, guys. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. Likewise. Oh, it's really something to have you with us. And you've been traveling a bit. Our paths just crossed recently at the Buzz Conference. Mm -hmm. uh, so we want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, but, but maybe give us a little bit of your story and background. How does uh, you know, someone like you who grew up locally in the, in the GTA and uh, be, you tell us your story. Became an agent. Now, now you're in the Bahamas. So how, how did that all happen so fast? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it seems fast to the outside eye, I think, but this has always been in the cards. Um, I uh, so I got my license when I was 21. Mom, I, I mean, my mom's been an agent for 35 years. So I grew up in the business, and um, I was an I actively sold for about 14 years before I transitioned into kind of creating the listings lab. Um, the, the listings lab was really kind of a, a passion project. It was something that like, I felt really called to do. Um, but my husband and I, we kind of joke that this was always going to happen. Our third date was a, a trip to Jamaica. So we moved pretty fast and we like right off the bat, we, we kind of joke around that we, we kind of fell in love in, in the Caribbean. And we, uh, we always knew that we wanted to eventually live somewhere warm. It just took us almost 10 years to figure out exactly what that was gonna look like, where it was gonna be. We looked at everything from Hawaii to Thailand to Bali to everything here. And we ended up in the Bahamas because it fit pretty much 100% of the criteria that we had. And I'm a pretty big mama's girl. So I'm only two and a half hours away from my mom. That's really cool. There's enough flights to get back. 100%. She's actually in the next room right now. <laughs> oh, she's there with you. Yeah, she's here right oh, now. Oh, nice. That's awesome. So are you like Paradise Island area or, or? No, no. So I'm not in New Providence or at, or in Nassau. Yeah. Um, uh, we are on a smaller island called Eleuthera. Um, Eleuthera is the fourth largest island in, in the Bahamas. And there's about 9,000 permanent residents here, like people who live here permanently. Um, so it's a lot smaller and... It was, it's pretty much what we, what we wanted. We wanted something that was, that felt somewhat untouched and that wasn't like super commercialized and we could not be happier here. It's so, it's so beautiful. There's no chain restaurants, no chain stores. It's hundred percent locally, locally owned and uh, it's beautiful. There's 135 beaches on this Island. So wow. Wow. are there hotels there? Uh, the largest hotel on the island is 19 rooms. That's it. Okay. So it's much more like boutique -y type of yeah. places. And, yeah. that's probably, and, and there's an airport. There are th three or four airports. So Eleuthera used, had, had a heyday 
at one point that was very much um, like, like the haven of the stars, like the rich and famous. There used to be direct flights every day from New York to Rock Sound. And um, there was a, there was a Club Med here. It's, there's, it's, I would say there's a, there's commercial flights that come here, but there's a lot of private, a private planes in and out of the island every day. So there's still lots of action. It's just, uh, it's just, everyone just comes here to be quiet. I like that. That's really cool. And this was something that was in the works from day one. We always knew we wanted to do it eventually. We just had to figure out how, how to make it happen. Um, and, you know, there was, there's always reasons why not to do things. You know, a, a couple years ago, we actually decided, you know what, this is impractical. And we tried to talk ourselves out of it for a period of time. We, uh, we bought an absolutely massive house in King City thinking like, this is gonna be the permanent house. We're just gonna make everything that we've ever wanted in this house. We, we took on a huge renovation um, and partway through, my husband kept trying to figure out how to get palm trees into the indoor pool area. <laughs> and, and I realized, I was like, you know, we're really trying here to recreate something that this is never gonna be. Mm. So, Partway through that renovation, we did make the decision to actually move. And uh, that house is still being finished. And um, it's actually the perfect situation because my parents are going to live in it. Wow. So that's good. So that's the place you go back to when you do come to town. Yeah. Yeah. If they'll have me. <laughs> <laughs> so the message that you've got for everybody out there, you work hard for about 15 years and you too can move to the Bahamas to an island and, and live a different lifestyle. You don't have to work hard for 15 years. I just took me a long time to figure out exactly how to make it happen. We have agents who are in our programs who are operating successful teams in Toronto from tropical places. You, you know, I think that we're, we're past the, we're, we're past the, the idea that a location independent agent can't happen because we've got so many digital tools. Now, if you have a team on the ground, there's really no reason why you can't do this a lot earlier than I did. So, so Jess, let's unpackage that. Like, take us through that. Cause that's really what we want to talk about, right? Okay. We want to talk about systems mm -hmm. and we want to talk about how you implement those systems uh, to be able to leverage and create the lifestyle and the income that you want to, to be able to do anything, whether it's moving abroad or, you know, whether it's, you know, taking more vacations or whether it's creating more wealth by investing in real estate yourself. Um, how do, how do agents tap into that? I think the first thing that they need to, you know, I think the, the first thing that really needs to happen is there needs to be an element of reconditioning, especially for people who've been in the industry for a long time. I mean, I grew up in the industry too, and there's this mentality of it has to be hard and you have to hustle and grind and crush it if you're going to be successful. And we really, you know, yes, of course you have to work hard. You have to be focused. You have to make the right decisions, but we also have so many tools that we didn't used to have. You know, I'm, I'm not, I still consider myself or I still want to identify as a relatively young person. And 
I didn't have a lot of these tools when I was coming up in the industry. And the more, the more technology that we have, if it's used correctly, that we can implement from, from an automation standpoint, the easier the business comes and the act, actually the more profitable it can be. So, you know, I would say, you know, the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, we were taught that once you hit your bandwidth, the next thing to do would be to hire. And that made 100% sense back then. But now there's actually a step in between, which is your automate step. Because a lot of the time agents are still under the impression that the first, their first step is to hire. And why would you pay someone you know, $15, $20 an hour to do a job that a piece of software could possibly do for, you know, $500 a year. So it really comes down to looking at the business from an efficiency standpoint, because there are things, of course, within the business that are still human to human necessities, but they really don't have to be everything. There's a lot of people who are paying people a lot of money to button push that is unnecessary. So a lot of the time, the first thing that we'll do is do an, like, do an audit of what that person's business looks like, where a subscriptions audit, what are they paying for, what, what's unnecessary, what are they not using effectively, CRM, like looking at CRMs, looking at different sources of, of business. And it doesn't matter if you're an investor or you're an agent or, you know, really getting really clear on what you want the end result to look like from a lifestyle standpoint. We have people who we're working with who want to sell their business in three years. We've got people who want to build eight figure a year businesses and they want to be the figurehead. We also have people who want to have seven figure businesses and not work in their business. And so all of those end results require a little bit of a different reverse engineer. And so I think a lot of the time what, what happens is we just sort of fly by the seat of our pants for too long. And then we end up somewhere that feels far away from what our original intention was because we didn't get super clear right from the beginning. Sorry, my cat's having a meltdown. <laughs> agreeing with your point. She's yeah. like, yes, I've been doing the same thing for yes. long and I need more systems in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it really just comes down to, are we, are we actually moving in that direction? Cause you know, I have a, I probably have, have a, like a picture of it in the back of my notebook that's sitting next to me even right now. Right. So I do, there's, it's this idea that you know, we tend to spew energy in a lot of different directions and we don't really get that close to where we want to be. But if you just take focused energy in one direction, you're going to get there a lot faster. And there's just a lot of, a lot of, again, flying by the seat of our pants and people who are entrepreneurial are very good at being scrappy. We just all are, but it doesn't actually serve us in the long term. It'll get us from one to 10. But to get us from that like 10 to 100, we do, we do need the systems and we need to have like the, the focused, uh, the focused direction. Jess, what I love about talking with you is that you actually really get the industry and you get the pain points, right? Because I think a lot of realtors can relate to exactly what you're saying. Right? I've been burnt out. I've been there. It's not nice. 
the, I, you know, I, and I tell the story because people sometimes will say, oh my gosh, she hit seven figures in six months, which I, 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 there was a period of time I started my business from scratch. I got to seven figures in six months. It was the worst time of my life. Yeah. What so, was your lifestyle at that point? In time? It was zero. Right. It was absolutely zero because I did it quickly and I did it alone. And I did it 100% off, like off my own back and I do not suggest it. People will, will, will glorify it. And, you know, it's, I've made a lot of mistake mistakes that, you know, I don't love the word mistake because all of it was feedback. All of it allowed me to iterate and change and make adjustments. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been the person whose phone rings and I cry because my phone is ringing again and I'm handing it to my husband and saying, can you please just take a message? <laughs> I, I, I just cannot. I'm also super introverted. I'm not a really, you know, I'm not the life of the party. You know, I joke around all the time. My husband, my husband is very extroverted. He will, will go into a grocery store and I'll be like, we have 10 minutes. Don't make friends. <laughs> like we, we need to get in we need to get out I'm the girl who like is like at the party standing by the cheese like waving at my husband being like can we go right I'm I'm not I'm not the life of the party so I always have to figure out and be cognizant of my energy expenditure and how much peopling I'm actually doing every day because it will drain me but somehow you you went from someone who you know, you described it was not the life of the party. And yet uh, two weeks ago, you were the life of the buzz conference. It, for one day. You know, <laughs> title sponsors, you know, featured speaker, come and see Jess, like every, you know, like there was a lot of buzz just about you being there and the messages that you had to deliver that day. So, so, you know, you, you go from not self-described, not like the party to, to uh, a key lifeblood of an industry in terms of motivating others and you know that it, it, that part is fun but again it has I have to play it around it I I couldn't do I couldn't do that every week I could I couldn't you know I was I was tired at the end of it and uh and I know that about myself and for a long time there was this sort of self-judgment of I think sometimes introvert, but it's not laziness. Like I can sit in front of my computer and I can create all day long, but it's the, it's, it's, it's the, it's the energy that goes out with, with people. And, you know, I, I think that the more that I learn about myself and about what works for me and in creating strategies and boundaries and all the things that help me perform well, over time, the better it all becomes. My team is incredible at it. Um, you, I mean, you guys, because it's you, I, I'm doing this today, but we, my team has a rule. I only do calls on Mondays and Thursdays. So um, if there is something that sneaks in on another day, sometimes I'll see it move. Like I'll book it. And then someone on my team, like Ashley, who's my COO, will we'll just quietly move it to another day. Well, for, for the record, let everybody know today is a Wednesday. Today is a Wednesday. This, and so we, we got on that list to get off the, 
uh, you know, to, to sneak in on a day. So we're really happy that uh, you included us and you made some time for us here. Today. I really wanted to do this and I was really excited to talk to you guys. So <laughs> that's awesome. Jess, can any agent out there get to seven figures? That's a good question. Um, technically, yes. I think that there's a lot of agents who get into this industry thinking that it's going to be something that it isn't. And I think that someone's mindset and their ability to learn and change and adapt and look at their business as like a science experiment, um, that type of person is definitely going to be more successful. I think that in any kind of business, you can't be extremely risk averse. And sometimes what happens is there are people who get into real estate because they've seen other people, they've seen other people be successful and they've, they, they've, they've made it look easy and we all know it's not. And so sometimes the wrong type of person or the wrong type of personality will get into real estate thinking that it's, that it's going to be easier than it is. Um, I also think that, you know, I think uh, David will, will, you know, appreciate this. I'm, I'm assuming you went to law school and did the hard things. The barrier to entry to get into real estate is very low. And so, you know, I think that people will assume that they will be successful in real estate just because they have a great sphere or because they have a lot of friends or, you know, things like that. And it's the people who really can kind of put the ego aside and do the hard things. And, you know, I have a coach that says all the time, you know, you're either filling your ego account or your bank account, but never both at the same time. Wow. I think you're, you're bang on with that, Jess. Like I know when I'm signing up clients on a, on a typical sale transaction, I go through the numbers with them and, and I say, okay, here's, um, here's the commission statement. Here's the total commission plus HST. And they go, what? HST on commission? Cause it's a big number. So they, they're always shocked with that. But then part of the thing, you know what, look at how much money the agent made. I should become a real estate agent. Yeah. Like that's always, oh, look, you know, I can sell to my family and friends. Look, $50,000, you know, commission on this thing. I should be a real estate agent. Like how easy could that be? And then I say, and by the way, here's our bill for our, our legal suit to close this deal. You know, it's $980. And nobody says, oh, I should be a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. But, you know, I think the thing that people don't realize, like Toronto, for instance, I don't even know what the current number, numbers are. I think there's over 60,000 licensed agents in Toronto. And most of those agents are doing zero to two deals a year. Right. Yeah. Right. And so um, I remember I looked, this was years ago, but I looked up what the average income for an agent in Canada was, and it was like $28,000. There's a lot of people who have a real estate license who are not killing it. Right. Right. And we talk about the 80 20 rule all the time. I think in real estate, it's more like the 95 5 rule where there's a, there's a small number of, of successful CEOs of real estate businesses. Right. That, and there's a lot of part timers that just sort of get in everybody else's way. Those that want to practice totally. and really become successful, they're just pulling deals out of the, out of the pot. Uh, because just, you know, and only to their family and friends, then they run yeah. out of them. And, you know, now what? 
Well, exactly. And, and I, you know, I've always said, I'm very, I'm very outspoken about this. Like people like that, just get out of the business <laughs> because you know, what you're doing is that, you know, let, let's say that it's even 10,000, there's 10,000 people who are doing one deal a year. Just allow that one deal to go back into the 5% of people who take their businesses really seriously, you know, elevate the whole, the whole industry, allow us as real estate professionals to be seen alongside other professional type businesses. I think, be, you know, you don't, you don't go to a part-time lawyer. You don't go to a part-time accountant. You don't exactly. go to a part-time doctor. Exactly. Can you imagine so, getting cancer and then going to somebody that, Hey, uh, you do this in between uh, delivering pizza and uh, you know, uh, lunch. Yes. <laughs> I think exactly. I know how to, what your diagnosis, I Googled it. <laughs> I saw this, I saw this in the one, the two patients that I, that I dealt with last year. Right. right? And, right. And, I, and I think that, you know, there's, we, we, we wonder why the general public doesn't respect agents the way that we want them to and thinks that we're overpaid and you know all of these things but there's a tremendous amount of risk also on the agents get sued all the time right and and you know i i really think that if there's a lot of value being brought by an agent who's bringing a lot of experience and a lot of expertise and a lot of specialization right david isn't doing i don't know i can't even think like litigation no, he's no. not. He's not. He, I'm not hiring David to, to try my murder case. No, no, you would. You wouldn't do well if you did. Don't call me if you have a driving <laughs> under the influence. I'm not going to not going to get you out of jail. Right. Right. But, and so but realtors, we do have in our in our regular weekly lawyer meetings, we yeah. are always discussing how we help real estate agents. They're not yeah. directly our clients, but they're our source of business. Yes. But part of our job, the way we look at it in our firm is we're part partly in the fix-it business for real estate agents. Definitely. Because we get, we see the mistakes that they make and, and, and our focus is to try and fix it, not throw them out of the bus because we want to make them, them better. To keep to the relationship, get the yeah. deal closed and find a way. So we're focused on that all the time, right? So like, you know, I love dealing with the pros in the industry and not the part-timers too. Like I, I don't like the part-timers in the industry. It doesn't help anything. It doesn't help the buyer. It doesn't help the seller. It doesn't help my business. No. And, and I really think that, you know, the, the complaining that the industry does about I'm not respected, you know, they see us as used car salesmen, like all of those things. It's brought on by the industry itself. Right. And, and I think, you know, I talk about this a lot. I think I, I may have talked about this briefly at Buzz Conference as well. You know, agents don't like to specialize. I can help you buy, sell, rent, and invest from here to Timbuktu. I'm here for all of your real estate needs. But every other highly respected industry specializes and specializes in an area or a demographic or and, and tailors their services to that target market. And agents are so afraid to do that, that it dilutes the expertise right across the board. The agents who do do it, you, they see a tremendous amount of success and they're, gen, they're genuinely providing a much higher level professional service because they've been able to tailor it to exactly what that client base needs. 
Yeah. Something as simple as a marketing message, right? Like hundred percent. Most agents take, take mud and th throw it against the wall and just hope that it sticks. But when you specialize, you're communicating in a completely different way with people who want to hear what you're saying as well. Yeah. Like it's, it's a completely different uh, way of attracting clients to you, right? Because I, number one, I you're agree to their pain points, you're mm -hmm. relevant to, to what they want to hear. And, and now the conversation is going somewhere and you're, and you're highly focused. Agreed. And, and the other thing that, <coughs> excuse me, I'm still getting over the, the bronchitis, but um, the, the other thing that is, that is so obvious from the outside looking in is the more that agents specialize, especially the more successful agents specialize the more that they can actually take that business back from the part-timers. Because if your cousin, sister, brother-in-law, aunt, whatever does one or two deals a year, it's the, it's the constant balance between, should I work with my aunt who's going to do it for 1% or should I work with someone who's going to actually help me either save or gain three percent right and the numbers i think the numbers stop making sense using someone at, that's discounting when you're when you're specializing and when you're getting a high level service and and that person is truly an expert at what it is that you need so you know I, even just people who will say you know i do residential and commercial and i sell businesses I hear that sometimes and I'm like, I've never sold a business in my life because that is a whole, yes, we're licensed to sell businesses. Sure. But I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> right. And, and, and why would I, if I was selling a business myself, if I was selling my business would not hire me. I would hire someone who specializes in sell buys and sells businesses all day long. Right. And so a lot of it just comes down to this perception of I'll take what I can get, which is the way that a lot of people look at agents. Yeah. When, when you start out, it's, it's hard to say yeah. I'm going to be a specialist in this particular area because you don't know if you haven't done it yet. You don't know if you're going to like it. You don't know if that's the right area. So that you're feeling around a little bit more in different places and sort of taking whatever you can get because you got to put some food on the table. Yeah. Right. But I think your message is, okay, so even if you're doing that, you got to start focusing in on what, you know, what your different options are, and then really start narrowing it down and say, hey, you know, I just did an assignment. And this was this was a dog's breakfast, but you know what, it was good. And now I get it. So maybe I should do more of those assignments and really go that route. And, or I like new construction or, or we tend find out to... what it is. We tend to niche people down in terms of demographics. So, you know, upsizers, downsizers, first-time buyers. We, 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 it's easier for, from a marketing standpoint, to niche down in terms of human pain point because the messaging just, like the psychology of the messaging becomes super easy, right? I, I mean, I, I think that there's a huge number of people who are still geo-farming, you know, they're, they're focusing in on an area or a zip code or something like that. And it makes it very difficult from a marketing standpoint to actually take someone from stranger to client psychologically, because there's people in there that are upsizers and downsizers and investors and, 
you know, it's, it's a, every, especially in Toronto or in the GTA, everything's a melting pot mm-hmm. of, of people, <clears throat> you know? Um, so if you can focus in on a certain, a certain move type, because a lot of agents don't even really understand that, that what actually drives their clients moves. People don't move because it's fun. People move because there's something in their current situation that they believe they can make better. They can make their kids happier. They can have it live a better lifestyle They're, you know, whatever, whatever it is, if they change locations or change properties. And, you know, if you're a hundred percent perfectly happy where you are, you're, you're not moving. We move because of, we, we avoid pain and we move towards pleasure, which is just, you know, basic sales. But a lot of agents are not kind of dialed into what that driver really looks like. And it makes their marketing more difficult. It makes their service packages, service creation more difficult because all of it should be, should be tailored around that. But I think that a lot of people are just, again, flying by the seat of their pants and they'll figure it out as it comes. That's, uh, that, that's a really you know, powerful trend. Um, what other trends do you see, Jess, in, in, in the industry? Um, I do, th- I mean, I think that different markets are going to perform a little bit differently. I think that the mindset of, understanding the mindset of the people who live in your market, people who are in, you know, the urban Toronto markets are going to perform very differently than if you're selling in Brighton, Ontario, right? But understanding your market. So like marketing messaging has to be customized to you, to your market and the demographic that you want to be working with, right? So it can't just be vague messaging. It all comes from market research. And I think so often what happens is agents will try to create their, their, their service package, their messaging, their, it in a vacuum because they're trying to guess what it is that's going to work in the marketplace instead of just asking. And this is a silly example, but I use it all the time that like, let's say that, you know, Mary is sitting on a park bench across the street and you are supposed to get Mary lunch and you're sitting there thinking, well, does Mary want a sandwich? Does she want sushi? Does she want pizza? Instead of just walking across the street and saying, Mary, what do you want for lunch? Right. And I think that that happens so often, a little bit of market research goes a tremendously long way Um, because you can you could be the best marketer, the best copywriter, the best anything in the world, but you can't create desire in a marketplace. You can only illuminate it. So it comes down to do the market research. You'll get all of the answers in a in a super easy format. And then all you have to do is every six months or so ask the questions again see what's changed, see what the trends are, see what's relevant in your ideal, ideal client, ideal demographics heads, really good marketing. All it is, is being able to articulate what's in the back of your ideal client's head better than they can. When you can do that, or they feel like you're reading their minds, that's, that's probably the most powerful emotional driver. Yeah. Cause, cause they'll automatically think that you have the solution for them. They're like, well, if they understand me so deeply, then this is probably the right person that I should, it builds trust in a way that, you know, again, 
working with your your cousin who's going to give you a kickback might it, it, a lot of the time it'll override that so maybe walk us through a little bit how you operate like with yeah. an agent you know i know you've, you've been to uh, sutton summit and, and done some seminars and webinars yeah. for them so you so you get exposed to them so what do you what do you tell them or other how do they retain you and, and what exactly are you going to do for them how does that work it really depends on their level of business that they're in so someone who is under six figures needs more clients and chances are doesn't want to spend a whole bunch of money on ads so we have a program that is geared towards organic attraction marketing helping them to build out their marketing build out their messaging and start getting consistent business from digital marketing, but not paid traffic. Then we have our core, our core package, which is the listings lab. Um, the, these first two programs that I'm talking about are lifetime access. So, you know, a lot of programming out there is you pay every month or, you know, it's, a, it's an investment that is for 90 days. Digital marketing and the trends that, that change in this industry, they are, they're big changes. So I really felt from an, it's not a good business decision on my end, but from an alignment standpoint and being able to sleep at night, um, those programs are our lifetime access because as things change and adjust, it's up to us to keep on top of things. And they get messages and says, hey, Facebook changed this. Here's what you need to know. Here's how to make adjustments. Let us know if you need help. So, you know, we did that in a, in a very intentional way so that you know, anybody who's using this kind of marketing or has worked with us will always have that support. Um, so the listings lab is more geared towards that six figure agent that wants to build the marketing foundations to go to seven figures. So it's the unlimited scalability of their marketing. Again, it covers the basics, like the marketing messaging, the niching, the, 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 the organic parts of things, but then it also covers the paid traffic, um, which, it essentially makes that marketing, the marketing side of things unlimitedly scalable. So we go through the whole process of figuring out your niche, figuring out your target demographic, market research, mapping the message from stranger to client, teaching them how to create content, teaching them the ads portion of it, like guides, check any physical or digital assets they need in their business. Um, as well as how to have the sales conversations, how to have listing conversations, how to use psychology and assets and, and not be just another, like not fall into that pool of just another agent. So that's, we do all of that in the listings lab. And then we have our seven figure agent program, which is the leverage and scale piece. Um, it's a one-year program that is for the most part by invitation uh, if someone reaches out, I'll get on a call. I actually still vet everybody in that program myself. My, my team doesn't really do that yet um, because we're pretty picky because it is, it's a mastermind and like a, a mentorship program. So we want to make sure that people give just as much as they get in a program like that. Um, that's really where the multi seven figure businesses are made, which is really fun to watch. That that's that program is uh, it's it's very rewarding for me 
because I'm, I, I get to see not only the business transformation, but also what it means for, you know, people being able to go to every, every one of their kids swim meets and basketball games and, and still have the, like the, the multi seven figure business that's really growing and that's, you know, fully leveraged and being able to take long vacations. And, you know, I find, I find that their family life and their relationships always are so much better after a program like that, which is the part that is really fun for me. So, so Jess, I want to talk about this and I want to have an open conversation about this because yeah. brokerage owner, you know, it's like somebody taking a, a knife and, and stabbing me with is how I kind of feel about this next point, right? But, okay. you know, you, you came into the brokerage and, you know, you did three webinars with us, right? And uh, the content was was phenomenal. The messaging is phenomenal. The program works. Um, we know that. Um, but I kept hearing price as an objection from my agents, mm. right? And I want to have an open conversation about this because people need to understand the fact that in business, you need to spend money to make money. 100%. Right? <coughs> so there's in different ways. Me, right? I, I want agents to invest in themselves and to jump on this bandwagon and to, you know, embrace these ideas. I know it's not for everybody. No. But- you know, I wish more agents would take take advantage of your program. So there's 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 different ways that agents and all, all of this, 100% of this comes down to the way that people make decisions. And there's people who will in, who will invest unlimited time, and then people who want to invest money to save time. The most successful people out there, the people that I've worked with who have been the most successful are willing to invest money to save time and get there faster. And, you know, we talk about ROI all the time. Like what's the ROI? What's going to be the ROI on a specific investment? On a program like this, the ROI, you know, it depends on the length of time, right? Like we have people in the program who, you know, spent X number of dollars and have more than a thousand times their investment over the last three years. But if you're looking at the ROI in the first two weeks, it's not going to be a thousand times, right? It depends on, it depends on the length of time that you're willing to look at. But, you know, in the beginning, when you're starting your business, a lot of people, if they don't have, and I'm saying genuinely don't have and cannot find anything to invest in their business, they will invest time. But time will bottleneck your business. You only have a certain amount of time. And sometimes I'll have agents say to me, you know, I'm, I, I just need to, to do more of what I'm already doing. And I'll say, great. How many hours of phone calls are you making a day? I'm making two hours or three hours. Okay. Do you have, and, and, and what's your goal? I want to double my business this year. Do you have four to six hours a day to make phone calls? And can you on top of that handle twice as many clients? The answer is 90% of the time, no. And so the business model has to change. And, you know, I think one of the reasons people will say to me all the time, oh my gosh, your my businesses have always grown so quickly. And I, when I started the listings lab, and I don't talk about this very much, but when I started the listings lab, um, I went 100% all in. And I, yes, I had a seven figure real estate business, but I spent all of my money starting this business so that I started it quickly. 
And we had a seven figure run rate month with our very first month that we launched. And it was because I spent the money and I saved the time. And I, that's not for everybody. I, like I said, am super entrepreneurial. I, um, I'm very, I'm not risk averse at all. I will, I will take the risk because I will bet on myself a hundred times, but not everybody is like that. I think that people look too much in the short term. They're looking at cost rather than investment. And there's a couple of things that we, that we want to look at. Yes, you want to look at ROI, but you also want to look at COI, cost of inaction. You know, I have some Paul who is in, uh, in my listings lab program. He and I talked on and off for, I don't know, a year, two years before he joined the listings lab. And I asked him on an interview I did with him once, where would you be if you just said yes on day one? And he's like, I would be so much further ahead than I am. He's like, it took me so long to just jump and say yes. And he's like, I, he had, he went from, uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollar business. He's probably going to do, you know, 600 grand this year as a single agent. And the next step is now for him to, you know, scale and leverage and build out that seven figure, you know, foundation. But that was in two years. And he said, he's like, I would be, he's like, I would already be there. I'd be, I'd have that seven figure business if I just said yes. And I hadn't hemmed and hawed for so long. But I also think that people are, there's, there's more that comes up for people than just the money. The money is sometimes like a financial objection is a lot of the time, the tip of a much deeper iceberg. It's sometimes fear of success right? It's sometimes fear of failure because you see all of these other people who are super successful with a program like this and they are afraid that they're going to be the one that isn't successful. It's um, a lot of the time it's lack of trust in themselves that and worthiness, the worthiness stuff comes up for everybody, you know, like, uh, you know, am I, and, and the money objection a lot of the time is also tied to a partner whether it's a business partner or a life partner who is not as entrepreneurial as you. We see that a lot. And I think that, and I've given interviews all over the place saying that the number one best decision that I ever made for my business was marrying my husband because he would never tell me not to do something. When we started the listings lab, I made a $300,000 investment. We were lying in bed and I looked at him and I was like, it's a big one. And he was like, let's do it. And he's like, but if you're going to do it, you're going to work with this person. Let's move to LA for six months and work with that person even more closely. So he wasn't in the real estate industry himself. He's not. No, no. So he, when I first met him, he, he did have a small business that he was running on his own. He does work with, with me now. Um, my goal has always kind of been to just retire him. And he, you know, he and I were working, he was at, at that point, he was working on, he was kind of my marketing director. <clears throat> and I, I, I called him from Bali and I said, I don't want to sell real estate anymore. 
And he was like, can we talk about this when you get home? And I was like, I'm just calling you to let you know I'm not selling real estate anymore. He's like, oh my gosh. He was like, okay. He's like, so what do you want to do? I was like, I'll figure it out. And he was like, all right. And so I got home, we had the conversation. I was like, I want to start, I want to start helping agents do what we did. I said, I, I feel genuinely like I, I went to Bali. I was probably doing all the like spiritual work. Right. And I had this, like this, like existential crisis where I was like, I'm serving the wrong people. And I, he was like, okay. He's like, so what do we have to do? And I was like, I'll start to figure it out. And he's always just backed me up. He's like, okay. He's like, you've never really led me wrong. He's like, we'll figure it out. And it's been an absolute crazy, amazing ride. But, you know, I'll say to him, hey, you know, beginning of June, I got invited to the super high level mastermind that I've wanted to be invited to forever. Um, He's like, okay. He doesn't even ask me about the numbers anymore. He's like, okay, great. Cause he knows that I will ROI everything. And it's, it becomes a personality trait more than it becomes about what the program is. Sometimes I will purchase programs or purchase, you know, calls with specific people to get something. And that's something that it will ROI. And it gets, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it just becomes, it becomes about the person and that risk aversion or that fear of spending money to make money or investing in yourself and your business is an issue. The other issue that I think comes up so often when financial objections come up when it comes to real estate is that people consider 100% of their commission to be personal income. And that's not running a business. They're never investing some of it back. Well, and I mean, one of the first things that we do when we, in the seven figure agent program is we like, we'll say, okay, talk to us about what accounts you have. I don't want to know what's in your accounts right off the bat, but like, I want to know, like, are you, do you have a prec? Are you paying yourself a salary out of your business income? Or are you taking hundred percent of your commission and treating it as personal income? Because business owners don't do that. I take a, you know, my business has the business account and operating costs and pay the team and do everything and invest. I'm not investing my own personal money into these, into some of these crazy investments that I make. Like I, I, I'm a mo- you're far more emotionally attached to your own personal money than you are necessarily to your business money. So the business money gets invested. And so, you know, when you're not set up like that, Every time you look at making an investment, you're taking money away from your husband, your wife, your kids, your, you know, as opposed to you're spending your business's money. So most of the, most of the issues are baseline. The business accounts aren't set up properly and people aren't, people are running a successful hustle. They're not actually set up like a real business. Um. That was an amazing explanation. And I completely agree with you a thousand percent. You need to invest in yourself as a business owner and you need to run a proper business. Yeah. I mean, if somebody said to me right now, Hey, like spend what's in your personal bank account to invest in this crazy thing, I'd be like, well, 
I have to think about that. But if someone said, Hey, here, spend it for like, spend your business's money to reinvest back into your business and you'll get this great ROI on it. It's a no brainer. Right. Absolutely. Jess, you, you mentioned that you have a coach and that, you know, you make these decisions to invest in your business and you take calls with people. What are some of the most influential people that you've connected with that have shaped and influenced your business? So I had a coach for um, quite a long time. He's a, he's a really great friend of mine. And when I started working with him, he was 26 years old. He's very young. He's 30 now. He is quite an investment. Um, but, you know, he, he really has, he, he, I worked with him for, for years and he was fantastic. He only works with like maybe two or three people at a time. Um, his name is Zion Kim and he doesn't have a huge social media presence. He doesn't, you know, but he, when it comes to business, he just, he gets it. And he's always been a great person just to bounce for me to bounce things off of. Um, I've worked with, I mean, I buy a lot of programs. I buy a, I buy a lot of things. I buy a lot of programs. I invest in a lot of, in a lot of things, but it doesn't mean that I need, I do it strategically now. So I invested in a program the other, the other month because I wanted to see what the inside of it looked like. It wasn't necessarily that I necess- that I needed the value that that program was offering, but it was uh, it, it's it's a consulting company or a, a coaching program that coach. It's not the same niche. They coach other coaches. I invested in it for a year to see what their format looked like, to see if there was anything that we could do better, and to be able to like just kind of like take, take little things and, and improve what we were doing. So, I mean, different investments have different purposes. I, I buy a lot of, uh, I invest in a lot of programs to see if we can make what we do better. Um, we don't do, I don't have, a, I don't work with a lot of agencies. So um, almost everything, if we make a decision that we're going to do it in our business, we bring it in house because I think I, I, it's important to me that the people who are working on it are super in- invested in the success and that we're not just another client. Um, but we're always testing things and hundred percent of things do not work, right? Like we test things, we spend money on things. We're like, oh, let's iterate. Let's see if it will work better this way. Or that was good feedback and it's, it, it's a sci- everything is just a little science experiment and you get to have fun with it. And if you're not having fun, like with the puzzle of your business, then you need to shift something because it needs to be, it needs to be, it needs to be more fun and you have to enjoy it. And you have to, if you're so tied to every tiny little thing going perfectly, it's going to be a very stressful life. I think that's a great message too, Jess. And you're, you're saying, you know, people that sign up with you, you've got a certain expertise, you've got systems, you've got methods, but what you're doing with someone today would be completely different from what you might do with the same person six months from now, because you're, you're always looking for the next thing and what, then how, 
things are evolving and, and what's changing. So I, I think what people are paying for as part of your service is for you to do that research and be looking for the next thing and, and, and how to improve upon what you're already doing, right? Because And I'm spending my money testing it to make right. sure that it works so that you don't right. have to. Right, but it's not a yeah. static thing. Not, okay, this is how you do it in 2022 and it's gonna work in 2025. Like it's not, yeah. no, this is what's good now. This is what you should be doing. This is what we think, you know, you're coaching them today, but you're looking for the next thing at the same time. And, and that's an important <laughs> message to get out there to the agents too, because they're buying your service, but it's not just what you know now, it's what you're going to know six months from now, a year from now, two years from now. Absolutely. And, and I think that the other thing that's really fun about all of this is the foundations are the same. Psychological marketing has been the same since we were selling scarves in the town square, but the, the, it's, it's the tools that we have and the way that we use them and the trends and things like that, that change. And so we also are teaching people those immutable principles so that they understand marketing at a deep level. They understand the psychology of what they're doing and why they're doing it. And then the platform gets adjusted. The, the length of video, the attention span of the customer gets shorter and shorter and shorter. But you know, the, it, it's, it's the delivery method that changes, not the actual foundation. It's funny, I actually have a friend whose business was selling scarves in the town square. <laughs> and, and like wherever there was in, in malls, in hospitals, in yeah, uh, yeah, I love it. You know, in hallways and hospitals, he'd set up a table. Like that, that was his business. And then COVID hit and he had to learn how to sell scarves online. Online. Right. Well, he still has the inventory of scarves coming in, but he and people still need scarves. 100 percent But he couldn't do it in the town square anymore. You know, and that's a that's a challenge. hundred percent And I think that. You know, if if people aren't using the digital space for their business, they really are missing out. That's where people go outside and look look around. The people are looking down, right? That's where people's yeah. attention, you know, good or bad, you know, that's where the attention is. And most people, even when they're watching TV, aren't aren't one hundred percent watching TV. They're so, watching TV and they've got their phone in their hand. Yeah. And so it really comes down to, you know, the attention is there. It's just a matter of being able to break through the noise of all the other constant stimulation to be able to like have that moment of this person sees me, this person understands me. Yes, I think we have time for one more question and it's going to mm -hmm. be a hot topic button. Because I think in two minutes, uh, the Bank of Canada is going to make an announcement about uh, interest rates and what they're going to do. Um, if they do decide to raise rates, um, mm -hmm. what advice would you give to agents to help them navigate in this uh, changing market? Educate themselves. I think that a lot of the time, you don't have to be the first person to say something. You have to be the person who can distill the information down in a way that is not inflammatory and that is going to explain to your demographic of people that you work with, what does this mean for you? Because there are, there's two sets of people you're speaking to. You're speaking to your, you know, the people who have something to sell, 
but you're also speaking to the people who are looking to make a move. And the more honest you can be about truthfully what you see, what you see the future looking like, you know, if you think, you know what, if, if, if your genuine opinion is, I don't think that if it was me, I would move for six months, say that. It's me, it may not be the best thing for your business for the next couple of couple of months, but it will serve your business in the long term. Because a lot of the time, the messaging that agents tend to use is it's always a good time to buy and it's always a good time to sell. And, and that sometimes isn't the case. And I think that it's transparent and the public can see through it. So whatever happens, do your research, understand it, talk to people who are smarter than you. Don't just read one article and hit record on your phone. Well, it's, it's official. People don't want to hear that the sky is falling. Oh, rates just went up at 10 o'clock. The sky is falling. Nobody do anything for a couple months till we see what's going to happen. Like rates go up and down all the time. Like of it's course not, they this do. isn't something new. And they're not going up 10%. No, no, it's, it's going to be marginal. And, and, and you know what? Three months from now, it might go up again. And, and I think that, that perspective, right? yeah, put but, it in perspective for people, put right. it in perspective for people. And, you know, if someone genuinely needs to move for their quality of life, chances are $200 a month is not going to kill them and it's going to be worth it or whatever, whatever that adjustment is. Right. And just help be, be that trusted advisor and help that person to navigate how to do it in a way that isn't going to hurt them and just yeah I don't know I just I think that there's too many there's too many people with platforms talking nonsense but people still have to live somewhere people still want to yes. move right? yes the same thing you know you always look at you know the car industry is is no different people need to need a car so if you happen to need a car right now you're going to pay a lot more money for a car than if you needed a car two years ago because yeah. there's a shortage of parts but if you need a car today, you still got to go out and get a car. So you might get a different car than you would have bought two years ago, but you're still going to get a car. So I think you look at the housing industry, you know, same way. People still want to move and make choices. As an agent, you got to do your homework, educate them, tell them what is still affordable for them and, and show them the real numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and put it, like I said, like put it into perspective for people. I think sometimes people get so overwhelmed by something big if you can make it if you can distill it down and make it small and talk about little increments it will be a lot more palatable for people and people will actually understand it better and it'll it'll build a lot more trust people don't want someone who's going to you know set the house on fire every time something changes they want somebody who's going to help them genuinely understand what's happening and make the right decisions for themselves. I think mindset is very important, right? Like Agreed in everything, in everything. Yeah. And, and I mean, even, you know, if the market does continue to shift, there's going to be opportunities. Of course. Right? And, and agents have a choice, right? And I, and I said this a couple, a couple of weeks ago, no matter what choice they make, they're going to be correct. Mm. 
right? And they can choose to, you know, get bogged down by the negativity of, of what's happening in the shifting market, or they can go out there and look for opportunities and, and crush it. There's opportunity. Whenever there's a shift, there's always an opportunity. Right. You know, and, and so often when there is a shift from an agent perspective, when there is a shift, when there is a shift, a lot of agents will sit on their hands for a period of time. And it gives you an opportunity to actually push forward and make an adjustment and grab more market share. And I, th I think, you know, in, in 2008, up until that point, I, ha I had my best year ever because there was fewer agents that were trying. Well, here's a direct opportunity for real estate agents. Okay. Aside from how they, how they, go into the market or how they deal with things like interest rate increases. There's a direct opportunity for an agent to become a better agent by getting to know Jess and what she's offering mm. to her, to this industry. And, and I'm saying this from a point of view of being jealous as a, as a lawyer and a law practice, because we don't have anything like that in my segment of the, of the real estate world. There's no coaching for lawyers. There's, there's nothing like you out there that's available to me. Say, oh, you want to be a lawyer? This is how you should build your practice. Like there's nothing like that in my, and this, we all do it fly by the seat of our pants. And some, we do it well, better than others. Some are successful. It's trial and error. It's all that stuff. But yeah. here, if you're a real estate agent, you've got a direct opportunity because we've got a proven uh, person and Jess and her technique and what she can bring to you. And, and I just don't understand why any agent wouldn't want to look into it and take advantage of it. I wish there was something like that in, in my industry. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, we, 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 uh, we care a lot. I would say that that's kind of, people will say like, what makes you different? Well, what we, everything that we do is different from everyone else, but um, we care a lot. And we're constantly making sure that what we're doing and what we're giving is the best out there, which is again, why I keep spending all my money looking at everyone else's stuff. So <laughs> it could be better. Jess, this is so much fun. Thank you so much for oh taking gosh, thank this you. and taking this podcast on the Wednesday, uh, the days you don't take calls or do Zoom meetings, but uh, you know, we had a blast. Um, I, I think you really understand the industry. You get the pain points agents feel and um, um, you know, I think there's a massive benefit in agents really enrolling your program and going through your course. So I Thank would you. encourage anybody listening to really reach out to you and to invest in themselves. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, and we might have to do a follow up to this oh, 100%. In, in person, though. And I think we got to go somewhere where it's a little warmer. So I don't know if there's a place. We got to fly down south. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I got lots of space. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Jess. Thanks for being on. Appreciate Anytime. it. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Thank right. you. Bye. Bye-bye.